0: Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to the Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 87. Reminder, if you want to check out my past shows and notes, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365. And before we get rolling here, I want to talk to you about my friends over at AppRiver. They've been my sponsor now for a couple years for the show here almost, and uh, I've been a partner with them since 2013, so I'm going on four and a half years. Um, I found them many years ago because I was having some frustrations with my Office 365 sales and support with another vendor, which will go unnamed, (laughs) but, uh, I found that I kind of have a higher level of, um, like, you know, I know how to manage expectations with my clients and the other company I was working with just couldn't do that for me. So I had to go find another partner and through asking many, many people, AppRiver kept coming up. So I have been with them and I'm a happy long-term partner with them. So if you're looking for a new company to work with, uh, they have us techs out of Florida they have a sales department. They have a tech department. They don't cross over, and uh, you can get great sales and support from them all the time. And you can do sales on weekends as well. So contact Steve Harris, sharris at appriver.com. Tell them call that girl sent you. And they do have a 10 seat minimum. But if you mention me, you can bypass that and sell like I do just to one, two, three, four, five people. Hi, gang. Sorry, it's been a while since I've done a show. I uh, I just had a lot of things going on the last few weeks. And honestly, after the Outlook search drama kind of ended, I have to say I was kind of exhausted <laughs> from it. <laughs> it was really, uh, for those of you that um, were hit by it from your clients, June 13th, a big bad update came out. And I, I can't even tell you, I took so many calls in the beginning thinking I could fix it. Then to find out, I couldn't fix it, and then people had to wait for updates, and then finally I think, I think it was on the 27th of June, they sent out a patch, let me go look, Uh, they sent out a patch, yeah, but that didn't fix it for everybody, so then I had to piecemeal the people who were still having problems, and I was still getting calls, and on a blue moon, today is August 13th, I still get calls for it, because people weren't updating, or they had some other issue, and I actually stopped taking billable calls for it the second or third week of June. I said, "I'm not bill. I'm not taking on any more clients about this because it just sucked." But everything happens for a reason, so I took the calls. I didn't bill them. I gave them, you know, nice things so they would call me back, and hopefully that was one of the I don't know what I would call giving marketing. (laughs) I'm not going to bill you, but I'm also not going to take the job, so go do your updates, or call Microsoft, because they have patches that they can do, and they've got little script runs that they can do when they're remoted in remote that do fixing. I actually also had another client that uh, just upgrading to the 2016 seemed to help, and that's the topic of this week's podcast is 2016, and some new things I'm finding, but before we go into that, I'm going to talk about a couple stories here. So, Outlook 2013 is the only version of Outlook available with the Office 365 now. Sadly, in February, they turned off all downloads for 2013, which really bummed me out. But if you're a savvy tech, you can still get the downloads for it from other um, from other folks. I think I've even got some copies, but typically most of my clients have the Office 365 um They had the home version. A lot of them did. So I kept a copy from my software downloads. Now, you know, I think it was like in April. I was like, okay, I'm ready to upgrade my own computer to 16. It was debugged enough. I'd already done my laptop. And then I have, I think, 2016 on my Mac. But, you know, I was like, I shouldn't need 2013 again, right? Oh, No, I did. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you a story. It's a two-parter of why I needed it. So I did a migration for a client in April. And when you do manual ones, which are easier with one, two, or three mailboxes, you remote in, you back up all their stuff, then you go and cut the servers, then you go create a new profile or use the current profile, import everything back in, let it sync, do some aftercare, fine-tuning. Should be done, right? Well, this client, he's a, uh, you know, he, we met and, um, you know, everything seemed pretty straightforward. We we met down here in Vegas, actually. It was just one of those business meeting things. And I thought, I swear to God, he told me he had two different email accounts, but that wasn't the case. So I do his migration. Now remember in uh, 2016 and 13, there's a slider in the email accounts area that lets you keep email for 12 months, or you can slide it to all. Well, before you ever do a manual migration with 16 and 13, you have to go and make sure the slider and outlook is set to all, let the email download, and then you can export it, because otherwise you're going to be missing, you know, everything past 12 months ago. So I told, I, I you know, the, thing, the sad thing is I met this guy in Vegas in a business meeting, and I told him I do such good work. So this is why this story bothers me so bad. And it would have bothered me with any client, but you know, I was just like, I'm so proud of the work I do. So here's what happened. I know when I remoted in, I slid the slider over to get all the mail. I had to wait a couple hours even to get all the mail down. I know I exported it. I, you know, it was a six hour migration for two people because of all the delay in the emails. Well, he sent me an email about a month ago saying, Hey, Lisa, you didn't get all the email. There's still some missing from 12 months ago. And I'm like, huh? And, and he was like, yeah, everything's missing from 12 months ago. And I'm like, oh, man. So for two hours that night, I'm stressing out going, what the F did I do? Where is that mail? What happened? Hope it didn't shut off the other accounts. You know, da 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 And I am start running scenarios through my head, and it's 10 o'clock at night, which really bothers me because that's the last thing you want as a technician is to get... You know, a crazy call at 10 o'clock at night that date is missing. So, anyway, nice to know the next day, <laughs> he says, Oh no, but I can still see the email on the web portal. And I'm like, Oh man, you just completely saved me from a flat out heart attack. Because honestly, if the client had shut off that account, Those companies don't let you go back and get email. It's shut off. It's done. They don't, unless the the client wants backup prior to them shutting it off. Okay, so anyway, I felt a little better that he could still see the mail. So I'm figuring that the slider thing I did must not have worked or there's a tech glitch or something because I have done these migrations since 2013, many years now. I know to get the slider. I mean, maybe I messed up though. There's a possibility that I didn't. So I was, I was, if I went to got the slider over or it didn't work or whatever, say I do aftercare appointments the next day to verify with the client that everything is good. I always wait till the afternoon and I make sure that they have time to go and do things like check their calendar and make sure this works and that works and just make sure everything's there. And sometimes the client will say, yeah, I'll like all my sent mails missing well, the export maybe didn't get the scent mail. So I have to go get the sent mail. And that's why I do the aftercare. But see the client, because he's a busy guy said, Nope, everything's working great. He declined the aftercare. So I kind of had that on my side as the, Oh shit moment. Like if he would have deleted that online account and we went to had it, he did decline it. And so anyway, long story short, I'm making it way too long. So The reason why um, I'm happy I have 2013 is this is because uh, the company said, yeah, you can just download it and, you know, uh, go get the mail. I said, well, we can't in 2016 because the auto discover records are already connected to his new exchange. And I don't know how to can do all that. I've never done it. And they're like, well, we'll just create you a new auto discover record. And I was like, you know what? Fuck that. (laughs) I ain't doing all that. I'm not doing all that. So I went to my laptop I installed 2013, I manually configured the server to the web portals settings, and I downloaded all the mail and got it to a PST through Dropbox to the guy, and he's happy as a clam. But that is why you need 2013, okay? Because I could have spent a long time trying to figure out that auto-discover thing for 2016, would have been hours of time, and so now I just decided to keep 2013 on my laptop until they don't let me use it anymore. (laughs) I need a backup. I really do. And uh, so a few lessons learned in that story, folks, is make sure if you do a manual migration to slide that slider over, let the email come down, make sure you verify with the client after a migration that all their stuff is there. And actually I'm going to start having them sign off as well on a document that, um, you know, here's what I'm responsible for. Here's what they're responsible for. Make sure the data's there. And then before they turn off that account because they don't want to pay for two accounts to make sure that everything's there and to get a copy of the uh, data if they want it. I know it just seems like a lot, but honestly I'm just getting so like, you know, kind of frustrated with all the things I have to always check, you know, check this, check that, but data is very important to people and you're responsible for it, you know? So there you go. Uh, then I also had another call that uh, the client, now this is kind of important with the Office 365 two-step authentication and stuff. So this story is a little kind of typical, I guess, of what we're going to be seeing in the future. Is a client said, hey, I got a spoofed email. So I, I remoted in, I looked at the email. It was funny. It was sent from him from... One of his clients' computers, with the client's name and the display name, but this guy's email, which really seemed kind of weird. And the email had some really awkward text in it about uh, some really non-business, more personal things that was all made up, and it just seemed really awkward. And so I reviewed it, and I was like, "I don't think you got fished." I think they did, because you know we looked in his sent items, We looked in his online sent items. And you know how people can spoof the from name, you know, not in Outlook so much, but they can spoof it. So it looks like it's coming from someone. I said, honestly, I think the other company got spoofed and you didn't. But I said, well, this is a good time though, for us to take advantage of securing your account up, you know? And he said, yeah. So we spent about 20 minutes. We um went into his office 365. We set up the two-step authentication and then when you do that, of course, you have to log out of the browser, log in, it does a setup, you have to get a text. And what I like about that, which the two-step is cool, is that if someone tries to log in online, like some spoof artist or some hacker attempter, you know, they can, they might have the first password, but then they can't get in unless there's a text. So it's a two-step, you know, it's password, then text. And I told my client, if he ever gets a you know, an alert on his phone saying that there's a, uh, you know, that someone's trying to log in, you'll know you're being attacked. And then you can, you know, call me and we can do some other stuff. But I mean, that's what the two steps for. Well, unfortunately, if you set up what's called multi-factor authentication, it also sets up an app password for Outlook. And you better take a copy of that when you're setting it up. What I do is I, um, I tell the client to write it down, but this time I forgot and I just put it in my, uh, in in some of my notes, the next day the client calls and says, Outlook's asking for my uh, for my password on all my computers. I'm traveling in three hours. What do I do? And I was like, Oh no, so I didn't. I didn't think I clicked the button to set up the app's password, but I must have. And so I gave it to him. I told him write this down because what's going to happen is I learned with setting up MFA is that Outlook it takes hours for Outlook to want the new password. It takes even longer for the iPhone, I think, but the client actually said the iPhone was already asking for it. So I I don't know what the rhyme or reason is and how long it takes, but you know, you can set up the two step and it'll take probably a few hours for all your devices to kick in and need the password. So do not rely on that to be an instant anything because it isn't. Um, It does take time and you don't think it's working, but it does. So Anyway, uh, we all have to be really careful out there with our, with our, uh, clients and these spoofed emails. I've been seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, click here, your DocuSign needs to be updated and people click on stuff because it looks professional. I mean, if you're listening and you're tech, you've already dealt with this. This is a good time to tell your clients to secure their accounts. If they resist it, you can tell them, well, you can resist it, but you know, if you get hacked, that's, you know, that's your problem. I'm giving you an option so I put it on my game plan to start kind of enforcing it, you know, and I'll be honest, most of my clients just want, you know, the easiest passwords in the world. They one that they can remember. And I, and I understand it because everybody has 5,000 passwords, but when it comes to email, it's a little bit different. And that has to be more secured. So, um, so after this, this last client, I decided to just take that next step and start securing people and giving them the option and giving them a little more training on how to click on stuff and how not to, because it can be pretty bad. Um then there was another guy. <laughs> I'll find I'll finish up. He um he got spoofed, I think, in June. But the attackers, hackers, fishers didn't do anything with this account for a month. Now, this is what's interesting is I asked him, when did you click on something and put in your password? He said in June. And I said, okay. And I go, you haven't seen any changes or anything? And he said, no. And I said, okay. So then I look, well, the reason why he called me was he, um, he was told by somebody that they've got a weird email from him. So I remote into his outlook and I see in the sent items four emails in a row. Now I had to laugh and the, the client knew why I was laughing because I was making fun of the person who was trying to do the attacking. They um obviously were new at it, and each email that they were trying to do, <laughs> it was kind of cute. Each one had a different, like like the first one had an image, but no link. The second one had the link above the image. The third one had people blind copied. The image was right, but the link was wrong. I don't know. It was just really funny because you could see they were figuring it out how to do it. And, um, the fourth one actually took that one was the official one, but this Fisher hacker spammer actually created, um, got into his account, changed his display name to be Dropbox Inc. And that's what, that's how I caught it in the first place. I was like, wait, when did you change your name to Dropbox Inc? And he goes, I never did that. I go, ah, so I caught that. I found the four phishing emails. Now here's what's funny. He did not know anybody that that email was BCC'd to. So what I think what happened is during that month, the scammer went out and found other people with Office 365 accounts and used his as like the core place to send it from. Um, I never clicked on any links or anything, so I'm assuming it was going to go to a portal to have them log in. But um, so anyway, I spent half hour with him securing all his accounts, And teaching him the same thing about security. And uh, and so now he knows. I think it's... Unfortunately, people won't read your blogs and your notifications about, you know, how to prevent this. Because people don't prevent. We're technicians. They have to wait till they've been hacked to learn. But uh, I'm going to try to make a a really good effort to start helping people with that more and more. And I thought I had one more story about a phishing scam. And I think I forgot it. But... I'm getting them, folks. They're coming and I'm hearing about it. And to me, they're all interesting and in how people do this and that. And I know that, um, you know, tech friends of mine on the Facebook groups talk about the 800 numbers from the scammers. I don't get a lot of those calls. I get more of the, the more online phishing scheme stuff, it, it seems, anyway. Boy, I had that other Star Wanderer. I, I don't. That, they'll probably come to me. But, anyway. Okay, so now I'm going to move on and talk about some changes with Outlook 2016. Uh, just a few things I've noticed that, you know, maybe you folks need to notice. And uh, and let's see here. Let me look at my notes. Um, I don't know if you've been playing with it or not. Some people, some folks that are listening are on 2010, some are on 2013. But these are specific to 16 that I know. So the first thing is, when you go to create an account with 2016, it brings up this new, um, it's, I don't even know the name of it 100%. It's called a connector. So it's a big white box that actually knows what account you're trying to connect to. And it's supposed to be this auto-connect thing. Well, in theory, it should work, but it typically doesn't for me, okay? So I've learned to set up new accounts in 2016 by going to the control panel in the back. That's just how I naturally roll. I always go to the control panel. I go see what's going on. I set up the new account there. And if you go into the back control panel, uh, it does not bring up the connector if you're doing a new profile, okay? I think it's only doing it when you are in Outlook and add a new account or you're setting it up for the first time. But, you know, it's one of those bells and whistles things that it typically doesn't work for me, so it frustrates me. And sometimes... Um, I was helping a client the other day and I went to, I was in Outlook to set up a new account, which I was like, Oh, it'll be easy. Well, the connector threw up an error and then it said manually connect. Well, I go to manual connect in the connector and it brings up these six boxes. How do you want to connect? Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo it gives you all these options. Well, none of them worked. So I was like, all right, I'm back to going how I do it again. So for me, not to waste time. I just go to the control panel, the mail app, and just do everything back there. Close Outlook, do it all, then open Outlook again. I don't waste my time with that connector because I just don't think it works. And they're trying to make everything streamlined and app happy. And, and I'm a real technician that needs to get work done. I'm, you know, I don't have time to mess around with this stuff. So that's my tip for you folks. Setting up Outlook, do it in the back control panel. Okay, another thing that just changed recently is the autocomplete in Outlook when you start to type emails. Let me get an email up here. So when you click on new email, you start typing, it it changed. It now says recent people and other suggestions. Now, it's not a big deal. It shows their full name and their email. It just has more space to it, which I'm sure I'll have a client or two that'll complain about that. But I mean, you know, it's part of their upgrade and I don't mind getting used to cool new stuff. So that to me is not a, you know, it doesn't make me upset or frustrated. It's just a change I noticed. And I'm cool with that. Um, they also have now in emails, the insert attachments is kind of nice. It's a, It's been around a while though, but I just kind of started using it now. When you go to attach an email and hit insert and attach file, it brings up all your recent um things you've saved or done. Which is nice because a lot of times you're working on a document and you want to send it right to someone. Otherwise, you can go to the bottom and browse this PC and then you can go pick it like through File Explorer. Okay? But that that's kind of a nicey-nice. I like that. There are a lot of things I'm starting to like. I'm not that old. Old school. Um, let's see. Again, don't forget about the slider and Outlook. So if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go to your Outlook right now. Go to File then to your account settings and then go into each account, especially the exchange and make sure the slider is to all. Then you hit next close outlook. And if you've got someone with a lot of mail, make sure to tell them that the email has to download and their outlook might not work for a little while because it's downloading mail. So it's not something I typically do in the morning, say for somebody I might sometimes show them how to do it themselves and do it at the end of their work day. So then by morning, it's all set up for them. And those are the kind of things I don't mind teaching a client because, you know, it's it's not going to lose me money by teaching them something simple like that, you know. I really don't care. Another thing is sometimes Outlook and Word and all that works actually better if you are logged into the Office 365 account. So what you do is go to File and then go down to Office Account. And at the top it says Account and it says User Information and over on the right, it says product information. So what I typically tell folks when they're calling me with snags and stuff is, let's log into the account that you purchased the Office 365 with. And then people, of course, have a password panic and don't remember. So then you got to play that game and figure it out. Uh, because some people bought the Office 365 home with a Gmail account, and some people bought the business with their business, and they're confused. But you have to have the, the right subscription with the right account. Once that happens, then updates work better, the office rolls better, and everything just seems to flow better. So I always sign people in now or look for that when I'm helping them because sometimes it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work as well if you're not. I don't know why. Because Microsoft is probably trying to track everything you do, right? <laughs> okay, another thing I've noticed, and this is a two-part, is... I've noticed for quite a while now, probably into almost two years, well, since Windows 10 came out, that they have OneDrive already connected for you, thank thank goodness, <laughs> in your Windows account. So when you go into your profile, you're going to see OneDrive, and, and sometimes it's not even connected to a real OneDrive account, but many times it is. So when I started noticing this to my clients, I'd be like, look, look at all your documents. They're all being saved to OneDrive. Did you set that up? And they say, no. I said, well, then we need to unset that up. And uh, some clients are like, yeah, I've already tried to get rid of it. I can't. Well, you can disable all those functions, remove the OneDrive and get rid of it and only have the documents. Um, I'm not going to get into it. It's not my favorite job in the world to do. Sometimes I tell clients just don't use it. And I have to remap their save, you know, their saving place to be documents instead of that. I'll tell you, if you do a data transfer, I saw this uh, a couple jobs ago. What a nightmare. The client ended up putting everything in OneDrive. And I was like, first of all, you can't set up Outlook with the default OST file in OneDrive. I don't know who, you know, messed that up, but... Oh, look, OST files are constantly synchronizing. So is OneDrive. It's just a big nightmare. And it might not break, but I'll tell you that, you know, you shouldn't be using OneDrive for anything that's syncing, like a, a database and things like that, because it's constantly moving parts. Um, so I always tell to, try to tell people to disconnect all that and take away their at least their PST files. Don't share PST files on OneDrive either with two Outlook accounts, because that is a guaranteed break of that PST file. And some people have called me with those breaks and I'm like, I'm being honest, put it in your documents and, and, or connect it only one, t- one computer at a time. And that sucks for people because they don't want to do that, of course. But I think now also, which I don't deal with a lot is these new windows, uh, 10 accounts are forcing people to, well, actually I know they are, they're forcing people to log in with a current windows account or something. And that is going to change actually the file structures inside also with Outlook. So just keep keep your, keep your an eye on that, folks. Um, you know, I don't care what else it does, but I just don't like that Microsoft wants to have everything of yours in the cloud not tell people. That really kind of makes me nervous. Because I have lawyers that don't know that, and I've had to tell them, and their IT guys have had to redo the whole system because of that. I mean, if you're not asking for it to be in the cloud, they're just putting it there. No one knows what's going on. I don't get it, you know but, um, a lot of my home residential clients don't even know the difference. So I try to tell the business people that at least though. Um, okay. So let's see. I think those are kind of the 16 changes I've noticed. There's always more stuff I'm catching on to, but that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Um, you know, I gotta tell you guys, I've been telling my stories for years through all my podcast shows that, uh, You know, I'm kind of getting to the end of uh, residential support. Um, I kind of took a look at my career, where I want to be. And uh, I'm honestly, you know, I either have to, I'm going to raise my rates. And if somebody wants to pay my higher rate to fix one, or one, you know, uh, iCloud, I'll do it. But if any of you guys are out there and want to have referral calls from me, because you understand it well enough, I'm willing to do that because I need to kind of, you know, I I want to do more things like email investigation, OST recovery. I want to work on some, I want to work helping techs with migrations, like be a migration manager. Um, I kind of want to start doing other things. And, you know, the day-to-day outlook calls, you know, I don't need to do them all. Installing, setting up, things like that. So email me if you're interested in being in my referral circle. I'm not going to hire. I'm not going to have... Anybody that works for me, it's always going to be a referral system. I have quite a few people in my referral circle, like a lot. And um I deliver the referrals because I I take a job and look at it and go, nah, I'll refer that out. You know, and then I might lose a client, but I'm also leaving room for other things for me to do I really want to do. And I have to do that. It's getting there. And um Another note is I decided in June after the whole search drama that I was going to take some time and open up another business that I love dearly. And, uh, I spent a few weeks on the processes, the website, getting things in order. And I finally opened it up and it's called, um, I found you on the internet.com. It's an SEO Google ranking service. I've been doing my own SEO since 2011 Never hired a company. I figured it all out myself. In 2014, I even wrote an ebook about it, but not many people bought it. I don't think a lot of people really want to do the SEO. They just thought they would. So now, I don't know, in the past six months, I was like, okay, I need to build a business I can scale, excuse me, actually scale and have processes that are trained that I can train people on. They can do it. And the SEO business just seemed to be the right one for me because I really love it and I get excited by it. And I can hire people to do it. Um, You know, I don't think I can grow an Outlook expert business. (laughs) Because I just learn too much stuff every day that I have to pass on to somebody and train them. And I'm like, you know what? I just am okay with being just a consultant for Outlook and running an SEO business. And do all my fun marketing on the side I do and all the other stuff. So um, it is possible to start another business. I found um, some test clients first. To test my processes, I found tons of failures. But during that process, I fixed things and I, I worked on the processes to make them better. And then I launched and I've had uh, a handful of clients and those I didn't have to learn from so much. And I still have learned a little bit. So just to let you folks know that if you're a technician, I have um, a Google ranking keyword list already, which you can pick from or you can add to it. I don't care. Um, I'm I'm doing these for 450 for 10 blogs, and I give a little wiggle room for text because we might need to play around with some numbers. I can also do a mashup of multiple cities, and then it's not $450 a month, it's $450 for one time. And then if you want more blogs, I have a thing called Next Level where you can buy more uh, blogs for me for uh, $175. And eventually, I will have referral programs and reseller programs. So if you're like Hey, Lisa, let's set me up and then we'll have you do my clients. You can earn from it or you can manage the account. But I'm going to tell you folks that referring is going to be a lot easier than reselling. Because if you do the blogging, man, there's a lot of work you have to do on the back end. (laughs) Found that out through all my experimenting. But um, I'm excited, you guys, to do this. So if you are not being found on the Internet, you can't get called. All right. That's what I tell people. If you can't be found, you can't be called. And my program I have is pretty affordable to get you out there and get found at least. Okay. Got two more things. Then we're going to end the show. So I also am going to put a link in my notes for the office, excuse me, the outlook and office 365 resource guide I created. It's very robust. It's going to be even more robust because I've been adding on to it now for about the past few weeks. I have fine tuned it and I've got lots of different cool things in there that you can follow along with people online. And, um, Check out, you know, what they're giving out for content. A lot of these people I follow. There's tons of Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. There's other books you can buy. There's other podcasts you can listen to. And it's only Outlook and Office. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes. And I'm also going to end the show with talking about an interview I did with Carl Palachuk. It's a a YouTube video. So I'll put that in the link of the notes also. So you can go and check that out. Carl and I, um, he's uh, selling my uh I'll look training videos for technicians now. And we did a, a YouTube on it. And what's cool is that we kind of talk so naturally together. We didn't have a script. We had nothing. We just rolled with it. And and it ended up with me talking about the blogs I do and the SEO blogging. So you guys can learn a little bit about it by listening to the show with him. Whew. All right, gang, that's it this week. Uh, now that I got the resource guide going, I might hopefully try to get more shows out now. Sorry, I just had a past, uh, funky past few weeks here and, uh, just didn't get a show out, but hopefully I'll be back on track now. So if you have any questions, you can contact me at least at call that Remember I have my eBooks available. Um, the hot one is how to, um, call that girl's guide to how to do an exchange migration. And, uh, the SEO for WordPress is really a good one. If you own a small business, my remote support books. And don't forget, I have my Outlook Training for Technicians video set as well. This has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. I will see you guys next time, hopefully, next weekend. See you later. Be proud and feel that sound. Keep marching forward and you that.